to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Now you go. Uh, one, two, three, f- Jake Fores. <laughs> like, you know, if you had glasses, people would call you Jake Four Eyes. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, that's a good sound check. All right, fuck it. We'll just start. This looks good. What's up, everyone? I'm back. The prodigal son has returned. I'm. The rumors are not true. I did not die, and the podcast has not been covering up my death like the queen of england i did not die getting a brazilian butt lift in latin america <laughs> i've just been on tour and been very busy so i've been sparse but i'm back hello everyone i and anders lee is here anders lee here here's how i want to open the show today here's something i just thought of um it's bam margera and he's going apes gone and he's talking about his mom apes gone i just woke up apes gone all right, that's what. <laughs> uh, I, I thought for a second that would be an, was an F- NFT uh, reference. No, it is because the guy, oh, okay. the guys that all my apes are gone. Oh, okay, guys. <laughs> but it's Bam talking about his mom. Going, Edit that riff out. That was bad. <laughs> no. a bad way to start. No, I did mushrooms this morning, so uh, if I'm making jokes that don't make any sense, it's because my brain is all reorganized and stuff. That's probably what's going on there. It made me how laugh. Was, how was your trip? Like my trip trip or my yeah mushroom trip. well yeah i guess both but the mushroom trip it was incredible because <laughs> i got back to the place i'm crashing right now in the middle of the night last night drunk and was like jonesing for a cigarette all bad and i couldn't find one like uh-huh. I was turning my bags inside out like i fucking know i have a cigarette left over from somewhere and i didn't find them but i did find mushrooms that someone gave me in san antonio which was like the third show of the tour so like a month ago <laughs> and i was like oh i forgot i have these so i took them in the middle of the night and then like i think i Ooh. fell asleep and then i just woke up tripping like this morning and uh i had a really nice time i feel like i missed kind of the some of the experience but it was actually really cool to just wake up and be like whoa what the fuck is happening What's it like to sleep on mushrooms? Do you have like trippy dreams? Well, dreaming is already trippy, so it's like yes and no. Like it's almost like a waste of part of the experience. But I feel like maybe because dreaming does it consolidates thoughts and stuff like that. Like maybe it helps or something. I don't know. I'm not mm, really sure. I feel really good today, so something good happened. Um, but I'm not sure. I think the I think it was the mushrooms. I think they were very good for you, and you should do them and reorganize your brain from time to time spicy portabella Uh i haven't uh i've tried them but they never did anything to me really yeah i think i'm just already uh my brain is already shroom shroomized it's Mm. already in the place where mushrooms bring you or maybe i just i probably just didn't take enough or like if it's like your first time your first couple times it take a while to hit in kick in like weed or yeah, maybe it's something like that. I don't know. I'd say give it the old college try again if you would like to. 
experience, yeah. experience. But right now I'm I'm living in the afterglow of a mushroom trip, so I'm like evangelical about them. Like everyone should do this, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I might not feel that way in a week or whatever. But right now, Anders, I think you should do mushrooms. Hey, I'm open to. It. I mean, I, I've kind of uh, stayed away from stuff like that over the past few years because I've been on SSRIs. But I have decided I am just sick of every year. Sometimes if I'm lucky, every two years. Sometimes every six months. Getting new insurance, you have to completely start from scratch. Take like months to get a new doctor. Take even longer to get the prescription, you know, try out the different prescriptions and then it has to kick in again and again. Like, I'm just so sick of dealing with uh, the fucking rigmarole with like getting meds that I'm just done. I'm just going to, you know, do the stuff that you're supposed to do, meditate and shit like that. Yeah, that's why like that shit is so popular because the system is just so completely fucked. Like, even if you wanted to be like, give me all the pharmaceuticals and turn me into a Zoloft circle, it's like (laughs) fucking hard to man. Yeah. And it's, it's dangerous to be going on and off of like meds like that, like psychological meds and antidepressants and shit. But it's you're forced to. It's fucked up, dude. Right. Yeah, I should just not do that because, like, you know, it. Oh God, I feel so bad for people who have, you know, serious diseases. Like, I have a bunch of Mark Fisher disorders. They're not like stuff like life threatening illnesses yeah. that I need the drugs for. Um, just yeah, I'm just sick of it. I'm just not gonna do it. I guess I'm gonna do shrooms instead. Microdose. <laughs> Well, um, you never get, uh, you never lose your prescription for mushrooms because the prescription is just knowing really cool people. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't get that. Sorry. <laughs> it's cool, man. You know me. Can, can I get a, a reference or what do you call it for the fucking a script <laughs> yeah. for a cool person? Can yeah. I get referred to a cool guy? Yeah, I'll get you in. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll connect you with one of my weirdos and then we'll get you all set up. I'll be like, no, no, man, he's cool. That's how I talk to my doctor, who is the guy who sells me mushrooms. <laughs> no, no, he's no cool, cap. man. Yeah, no cap. Like, no cap. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, that's what they call the cap, the uh, mushrooms, the caps. Right? No cap. I see what you did there. You know what I did? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I love it, man, because I'm in mushroom brain, so I'm all green lights. Everything's positive <laughs> in the universe. Great joke. No cap. I just watched this um, Hulu documentary series uh, about Sasquatch that wound up being actually about (laughs) weed. This, I will say, and it's a spoiler alert, but it's a spoiler alert for your benefit, dear listener, because this thing is the biggest boner killer I think I've ever (laughs) consumed. But it's it's related to drugs. Uh, It starts out, the first episode is about how uh, a group of men in 1993 in Northern California were killed by Bigfoot. And people <laughs> say definitely Bigfoot. They interview a scientist. This guy's an actual anthropologist. And he's like, straight up, I don't believe in Bigfoot because belief implies some uncertainty. I know 100% that there is Bigfoot. <laughs> and he explains how, like, and he makes so much sense because he's like, hey, Think about how many times you've seen a bear carcass, huh? Doesn't happen. They're, they're secretive, right? They're uh, very aloof. So are Bigfoot. They're even more aloof and they're more rare 
the Sasquatches, the uh, North American land ape or whatever they're called, then bears. And he makes a very convincing case. And then by like the third episode, it becomes clear that it's like, yeah, the Bigfoot thing was just like a cover story for like these migrant workers who were killed because of, you know, feuding cartels. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, right. <laughs> it's like an, an important story about a social issue that we should care about, but not what I fucking expected when I press on for the uh, Sasquatch documentary. That's mad interesting. I like that that guy's argument about how he believes in Bigfoot is almost like theological. Like, he's, yeah, he's describing like faith kind of, you know, Right. Like, you do not question Bigfoot. <laughs> You're believing I mean, in Bigfoot I, is what fills you with light, is just surrendering to the idea that there's Bigfoot. Consign yourself to it being true. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. He says that he's seen a lot of footprints that can't be anything else. But as we've, I think we've discussed this before, like what, what is Bigfoot or Sasquatch? It's just an animal that we haven't, found yet that's not that crazy like there's i'm sure thousands of species that people don't know about yet when on our earth when there was only one set of big footprints that's when bigfoot was carrying you mm. you know yeah i know what you mean it's weird though that that story's odd because that's the first time i've ever heard a story about bigfoot where he's like um killing like i thought he i kind of thought he was supposed to be like a gentle like everyone's like, stop hunting him. He's a gentle woodland creature or whatever. Yeah, I think that. Well, th- I mean, this one is, I think, pretty uh, clearly not true. But there were people <laughs> who do believe in Bigfoot who do say that, oh, yeah, they're nasty. And there's like this mountain, like there's a really dangerous mountain. That's where the Sasquatches are. But then again, you also find out that that's it's not it's where there's, you know, people growing weed and shooting each other. Do you know about the the like the myth of the Wendigo? No. What's think, the Wendigo? I think might be getting this wrong. I think it's like a Native American cryptid, and the idea it's really cool. It's like kind of like a Bigfoot type, but it's uh, if you eat people, you turn into the Wendigo. So it's like a myth to keep people from practicing cannibalism. Like, oh. the more human you consume, the less human you become, and you turn into this crazy, scary. Like Bigfoot type thing. I don't know if we want that getting out in this day and age. We don't. I don't know if we want too many people knowing about that because they're definitely going to try it. Yeah, Elon Musk is definitely looking into that and wanting to become a Wendigo. If we give, if I give you horse, will you let me eat you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did you guys talk about that on the show at all? Have we done a podcast since that happened? Uh cannibalism no it's uh elon musk's um sexual assault scandal oh no i think that uh broke after our last recording let's talk about this for a minute it's pretty funny (laughs) i mean you know sexual assault obviously is not funny but the way he did it is just so pathetic you know like he uh so there's a woman who was like i guess they have like flight attendants on spacex or whatever so weird okay he he made her get like uh like trained as a masseuse it like wasn't part of her job (laughs) he made her get trained as a masseuse and there was getting massages from her and then one day she came in and i guess he was just like wearing like just a tiny towel or something and was like today's the day i'm going to ask for the full massage wink wink And then she like didn't want to do it, and so he said, "I'll buy you a horse." <laughs> just, 
<laughs> That's where the horse stuff come, is coming from. Okay. Yeah. I see people talking about horses. That's what it is. <laughs> that was his move. Richest man in the world. I mean, he wasn't the richest man in the world at the time. This is in 2016. But still, like, you hear that and you're like, damn, man. Like, <laughs> you can't just hit on someone normal or something. <laughs> like, that's well, what you, you think is it's going so, to. It's so sad because, I mean, it's there was the uh, Met Gala a couple weeks ago, right, where he had his people ask out. Uh, some woman who was there, I forget, like an actress or something. Yeah. And she was just like, no. And they like, <laughs> they, they had it. They had the gala change the seating. So he would sit next to her and the conversation went nowhere, I guess. Uh, so there's that. And then also with this thing, it sounds like he just like, he heard rumors about Epstein's jet and was like, well, I'm a billionaire. I couldn't do a lot. And then he just sucks at it. He can't even pull that off. Even when you're fucking rich as shit, you can't even get, yeah, you know, he a, wanted, a spacecraft full of women who will will fuck you. He wants to go to Little St. James Planet and like one yeah. up Epstein by being like, "Well, I'm doing it on an <laughs> asteroid or whatever." It's just so funny because like he like it almost seems like he's like crippled by being rich in that weird way that like you know you're out of touch or whatever. You're not a real person right. when you're that rich. So like like and I'm a. He's got to, on some level, be jealous, kind of, like, normal people. <laughs> like, it's so embarrassing that he has to have tons of resources dumped into, like, trying to talk to women. <laughs> yeah. He is a whole team, I bet. Yeah. That in the dating game for Elon. Fucking sucks, dude. The weird thing is, I'm looking here now, He, uh, his defense of himself is... If I were inclined to engage in sexual harassment, this is unlikely to be the first time in my entire 30-year career that it comes to light. Yeah, no shit. Basically saying, like, I, I don't harass people, but, dude, if I did... <laughs> you would know, because I'm yeah. really good at it. He also said... Uh, also, I think part of this is that they paid her off with, like, a quarter million dollars or something. Um, but he said... <laughs> he was like, if you... If she really saw my penis, then she should na name one thing about it that no one else would know to prove. He's trying to do like an Atticus Finch, like weird <sighs> lawyer move, like prove like. And he said, like, for example, a tattoo or a scar. And it's like, are you telling us that you have a tattoo on your dick, Elon Musk? <laughs> or like, he, what do you mean? All dicks all look the same. Man. <laughs> he wants people. He is inserting his penis into the news. That's how <laughs> fucked up his ego is, is he wants his penis to be talked about by millions of people. Probably. I mean, oh, the other part of this that's interesting is like a, a week before this story broke, he was doing that weird thing where he was talking about like, I'm going to be a Republican the next election or whatever. Yeah. And he was just trying to make that into an issue. It seems like to try to blot out like this. And then he also just kept tweeting, like the political attacks were going to come for me. So I think he tried to set up him switching parties as like in his mind, I guess the story would be, he announces he's a Republican, and then that causes all of these underhanded political attacks, which this story would then be consumed into, and he would go, oh, it's just one of the many political attacks that are happening because I was brave enough to, you know, whatever. Which right. Is, but it's like, it was just so clear that he was doing that. It was like, we're not really 
that brilliant of a PR move? I mean, it just seems like he came up at the, at the last minute or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think there's something, something kind of shifted, I feel like, with the grabbing by the pussy tape. Because this just came out this week. Apparently, Trump was actually a lot more worried than he let on about that thing. And he seriously considered dropping out of the race. Wow. When that happened. Yeah. Um, because no one knew, like, Trump was unprecedented in in some ways, right? In most ways, not. But aesthetically, unprecedented to have somebody just not apologizing for their gas. Like, we're a gaff-obsessed political media and he was someone who created gaffes every time he spoke and like ridiculous ones and just would keep going. And uh, he he pushed himself to the precipice where he didn't even know what was going to happen after he uh, refused to back down from this, like uh, admitting to sexually harassing and assaulting women. And he jumped off the precipice and uh, landed on his feet. And so now that's like the move i guess yeah but just but elon didn't do that like it would kind of make more sense if he had just maybe that's why he was like i'm gonna become a republican or something but like he didn't he you're right i mean trump is it's trump is insane because he was the first person to just go oh you can just not do this thing and it did right. completely upended all of the history of politics or whatever but like yeah. Elon didn't really use the Trump playbook there. He did. Like, he does. He seems like he doesn't have the stomach for it entirely. Like he does kind of want to be liked, I guess, maybe is uh-huh. where it's coming from. So he's like, no, 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 I have to fight this and try to make it seem like it's not true or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I it does seem just from his responses that a piece of him relishes the attention. Yeah. You know? And that's why his penis comes up. <laughs> like that seems like that would be the last thing you should try to bring up if you're accused of sexual harassment publicly is your penis, like, like keep that away from people's thoughts and, you know, saying it, but it is, yeah, it's an attention. I know. Now it's like in my head, I keep thinking about like, what is the tattoo? <laughs> like, uh, is it like, here's what I think he's got, like maybe a little cocoa Pelly just by the, like by up by the side or something, you know, the little guy with the flute, uh, got a, Google that, which I'm doing now. I have a whole setup here. You'll know when you see it. New, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like That's he's, a Coco Pelli. Okay. He's got it at Pac Sun or something. What are What is the circumcision practice with Afrikaners? Like <laughs> Dutch, know. South Africans. I, I wonder if they do it or not. I don't know. That's a good question. And anyway. if you had seen Elon's <laughs> dick, you would know the answer to that. Destroyed right. with Except- fact and logic. Yeah, the erect penises look exactly the same as people don't realize. It's funny, like, people think that an uncircumcised penis is just looks that way even when it's up and at which <laughs> yeah. is... I, sorry, I'm uncomfortable with myself talking about this. Uh, we, can, we can move on. I mean, we've gotten pretty heavy into dick territory. We should probably yeah. move on and talk about <laughs> what else is happening in the world. I Because I've been in, on tour, you know, you just catch, like... I'm sure you guys have talked about a million things that I've only caught like tiny wind of, and now I have to like sit down and catch back up. So like, uh, illuminate the news for me because like I caught a little bit of this Fetterman guy. He seems cool. Uh-huh. Um, I'm watching John Fetty Wap. Uh huh. I've been watching um Pete Buttigieg talk about how <laughs> we can't uh like subsidize 
baby formula during this baby formula crisis because he's like, this is a capitalist country. We're not fucking communists. He said that? I actually missed that. Let me find the exact quote. I just retweeted it, and it's pretty fucked up. Um, it's I, I kind of wanted to talk about this because the logic of it is just kind of fascinating to me. Uh-huh. He said, um, okay, asked about Biden's slow response to the baby formula shortage crisis regulators knew about in October, Buttigieg said, let's be very clear. Let's be very clear. This is a capitalist country. The government does not make baby formula. Uh, formula nor should it companies make baby formula and like i guess like i'm fascinated by this like take like this message because it's like he's doing this circular thing that is so central to american kind of worship of capitalism which is like we can't do that because that would be socialism and like socialism is bad why is it bad because it causes people to starve Right. That's what like the root logic is, is that it just, oh, it leads to bad, you know, the bread lines and stuff. But it's like we're literally experiencing a bread line type thing here. And the way to solve it would be socialism. And he's like, but we can't do that because that's socialism. You know what I mean? You could explain this with the meme of the two guys yelling at each other. I think I've seen a bunch of them. Oh, the the Harley, um, whatever they're called. Yeah. yeah. Chopper. Chopper Rangers, whatever that shows show is, <laughs> definitely one yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah, it's, I remember that brings to mind a conversation I had like ten years ago, almost about the I had a friend, a roommate who was uh, a a capitalist, I guess, or a believer in capitalism, and we were talking about Glass Steagall, as a lot of my conversations ten years ago went. Um, Glass Steagall Act, which separated commercial and investment banks and i was like what's wrong with doing that we should bring that back and and you know the he was like yeah there's a sound reason for that it makes sense but it's just not appropriate for the (laughs) government to do that it's just not the government's role it's just it's inappropriate it's like flashing a penis (laughs) unwilling party it's just the sense of like decency that extends to the economic sphere, it's a, it's a philosophical thing. But it, I do think Buttigieg is acutely aware of these sort of parameters for what he conceives as the acceptable American position for for government and, and private markets. You know, you can't you can't take. Oh, and even Bernie Sanders has said this in um, he gave his speech about what is democratic socialism. And he's like, we're not going to take over the grocery store down the street. You know, it's about yeah. uh, the things that should be decommodified, like healthcare, and that's an okay place to start. But like, yeah, just thinking about it more, more deeply is is you know something that is you know politicians obviously are going to try and avoid. But it's just interesting to me how Buttigieg's father was literally a Gramsci scholar, and he has. I wonder what he thinks of. Gramsci or Marx or he knows anything about it if he's just completely rebelled but the thing that gets me is is when his father died because he died right before he started running for president and I, I remember reading an article about it at the time and they asked his colleagues at uh, Notre Dame where he taught and they were and they asked them like you know this is a clearly a notorious Marxist uh, scholar. He's a big deal and sort of left-wing academia and he's, you know, a communist. And then 
the the colleagues would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's not a communist. I know that guy. He's he's not a communist. No, he's not a Marxist. Like they just like knew him as like a guy in the faculty lounge or whatever. Yeah, he's a nice guy, you so know? he can't be a communist, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. but it it shows how untethered uh, the you know Marxist thought has gotten from the actual movement and the people talking about these things are from like anything that has a kind of hold on American culture or American life um, that like the people who are uh, advocating these things or talking about them or talking about things more deeply, like what should the state be doing in general? What is the proper role for this stuff? Do we can, can we completely reconsider that and start from scratch with something else? Uh, the people who are saying this are not even recognized as saying that by their own peers and colleagues in academia. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting the way that they, like libs can kind of just isolate stuff and go like this is if you disconnect it ideologically from the entire movement, it's like oh, you're just talking about this one specific thing. Do you, was it his grandfather was a Gramsci scholar? His dad. His dad. His father. Do you yeah. think when Pete Buttigieg was being born, his father said? The old world is dying. A new world is struggling to be born. Now is a time of monsters. And that's when yeah. he took the baby out. <laughs> and his little rat-faced baby was, you know, like, ah. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. What have I done? Yeah. Actually, his his uh, friends, because um, I watched a eulogy they did for what was his name? I already forgot. Uh, professor Buttigieg's first name, but uh-huh. they the professors were doing a eulogy for him, and this and he died again right around the time the campaign was beginning, and there was just like this contempt for the younger Buttigieg that kind of like came out in the talk, which was you know talking about his work translating Gramsci, uh, but they were like, you know, as um, Professor Buttigieg. By the way, I don't know what the hell Buttigieg is. <laughs> Our friend would never call himself Buttigieg, <laughs> which is a name that uh, Mayor Pete like did focus grouped and decided that was the best way to pronounce his name. That's but. insane. I mean, he has an impossible. Impo- it's incredible that he overcame that somehow with just the power. I mean, he, he didn't win or anything, but like the I mean, obviously focus groups everything and. For him yeah. to be saddled with that insane name, but also be like determined to be a politician is just bananas. Only he could have done that. Yeah, I feel like maybe he kind of turned it into like a conversation piece or like a way to stick out. Yeah, he made those stupid shirts that say "Boot Edge Edge" or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, before we move on, this thing you were just talking about kind of reminded me of something that I should probably mention on the show. I've talked about it on Why You Mad, but less people listen to Why You Mad, and this is pretty juicy. (laughs) So, like, you reminded me of something that happened on the tour a few weeks ago. I guess it was a couple weeks ago when we played Comet Ping Pong Pizza, right? So we did two sold-out shows at Comet Ping Pong Pizza, which was really interesting because... Comet Ping Pong Pizza is actually a cool punk venue, and they immediately, like, you know, when I showed up, at first I started doing jokes about, like, adrenochrome and stuff, 
And then I immediately read the room and was like, these people are fucking tired of this. Like, don't do the joke about the venue. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that, right? So I, you know, we played these shows and they ended up just being really, really sincere, cool shows where people just fucking came and packed it out. And like, everyone's wearing masks and all this stuff. And it's like, everyone's got these punk ethics, you know, it's very cool. The venue treated us great. But a lot of, hold on. Excuse me. A lot of local weirdos came out, and um, one of them was a woman who came up to me immediately after the show and said she okay. loved my set, and her name was Charlotte Clymer. <laughs> and oh my god! Okay, she was like, "You were like, I loved what you were talking about," and. I was like, thank you. And she's like, what's your name? Do you have a website? Are you on Twitter? Can I follow you on Twitter? And I was like, you could if you hadn't blocked me on Twitter. (laughs) You said this to her? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know what to do because she was just like point blank. Like, what is your Twitter? And I was like, if you look it up, it'll say you blocked me. Uh, And so she unblocked me. And (laughs) it was really weird because like, I didn't know what to do with this situation because she was being so nice, but she kind of came with an agenda and immediately started going into like lib messaging stuff and started doing this compartmentalize thing that you just reminded me of with that like, oh, he, he's he's not a communist. He reads Gramsci or, or he's, he, yeah. he's a nice guy or whatever. She kept doing all this stuff where like um, she was saying like, yeah, no, we don't have that. We're not different at all. We all want the same thing. I, we just right. like have like different ways of getting at it. And she's like, no, but like for real, like the Democrats, you know, I, we do need uh, to talk about like raising the minimum wage and workers' rights, but also you know all this other stuff. And it's like she did this thing. That, like I think it's really insidious where you reduce like the labor stuff to just like one of a buffet of issues you know and then you go yeah we do that we do this or whatever because it's like if it's not actually ideologically based in the liberation of the working class if that's not the whole fucking project then you're like you're just paying lip service or whatever and i i had to eventually be like you know thanks for coming out like cool like this is fun but like you know i do disagree with you about certain stuff and she just kept pushing it and going like no we don't and i'm like but yeah like i started having to explain what i'm talking about now (laughs) i'm going like i'm sorry but we do and like you know i didn't know what to do because i was like if i'm too nice with this person that's bad like this person is responsible for some pretty heinous shit and his works on behalf of the ruling class, you know? Right. But then also if I'm like, put my middle fingers up, and I'm like, hell yeah, Twitter dude, uh, this ain't it chief and fuck you and all this shit. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I'd lose a chance to put a bug in this person's ear or something. I don't, I don't fucking know, man. It was real weird. And then I think she got mad at us. <laughs> she, ah. she eventually fucking went around and tried to do this with everyone. And like everyone, like Eve six is all left pilled and stuff. So like everyone kind of was like, nice. Thank you. But we're communists and you're not. And <laughs> like she eventually, I think got pissed off at us on Twitter. It was really all weird. worked out. <laughs> Super fucking weird, man. <laughs> it's funny you say that because almost a year ago now when I was living in DC, 
um me and my buddy nathan loft shout out we had like a joint birthday party at malcolm x park and she was at charlotte climber was having a birthday event i think it was her birthday i'm not sure she was hosting it just like a few yards away from us and she like cordoned off this little square and had like all these chairs and a nice picnic table and there were all these people there and she was kind of holding court um and we were just like trying not to be too obvious about about looking at her but <laughs> um yeah she also and i was given balloons which is very <laughs> uncharacteristic of my girlfriend buying me balloons which was shocking and then i was very embarrassed to be given balloons so i tried to give them away <laughs> to her little like party square and no one would make eye contact with me I was just like, hey, does anyone want these balloons? And these people just like pretended I wasn't there. They were like, mm. they blocked you uh, in real life with yeah. their balloons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. DC bros tried to give us balloons, which is <laughs> it's a uh, dog whistle that means they think that you're um, full of hot air, a clown. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, full of hot air. Yeah, that's the type of jokes we make in the dirt bag left or whatever the fuck. That's right. I will admit too, I did, and, and I felt weird saying this. Oh, man, yeah, I'm no longer in DC, so I can say this. I don't know why I didn't uh, publicly announce this, but it just felt weird. I lived right by Matt Iglesias, actually. That's crazy. He yeah, fucking he retweeted like, me the other day, man. He tried really? to do the same shit. These people all try to go like, no, we're actually friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I had this fucking viral thing pop off where I said, what is? what would your job be on the centrist commune? Because everyone was doing the stupid, what would your job be on the leftist commune yeah, yeah. thing? And uh, he said, like, um, you know, propagandist on B- I said something. He said what he is. And he was like, isn't this like funny? Like he tried to make a joke out of it. But it's like. No, this is entirely the problem. Right. It's, I mean, he, yeah, he is just someone who d- takes like counterintuitive positions on something, on stuff, and just like, you know, is all over the place, but as like a branding exercise. Yeah. And it's weird because I'm trying to find him, but he is like, I believe, friends with this guy who's running for city council in DC, who's just like kind of the same thing, but for, the city, but for like local DC politics, and is like a Yimby, which is means, of course, yes, in my backyard. So they just want to build, 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 um, you know, regardless of if the building is being done for stuff that most people can afford. Um, but yeah, he's, I saw him setting the table with his child as I was walking through this alley in a garage and it was actually a very touching moment and i felt really bad afterwards because i was like why because i went i stopped walked back to make sure it was him and then kept walking and i think he noticed uh and i was like gonna make fun of him or like tweet about i just saw this egg man and then i just (laughs) felt bad because it was a very touching moment of him and his child setting a table uh I hate it yeah. when people are humanized. Like right. That. It's weird. Yeah. And I would see Sagar and Jetty and uh, Jennifer Rubin in Trader Joe's. It's a weird town. <sighs> I don't know. If you're addicted to Twitter. When I was in D.C., I, the that just vibe, the all these people being around was making me so uncomfortable. I don't know how the fuck you lived there because I was like, I got to get the yeah. fuck out of here. I don't like knowing that any of these people could just right. be around at any given moment. Um 
I, I it's do, very weird. I th- uh, don't want to go back to NIMBY. I think that we should um, change NIMBY and YIMBY to being about um, butt stuff. You know? Oh. So if you're like, not in my, not in my backyard, that means uh, don't, uh, don't try it. <laughs> don't yeah. stick a finger back there. But if you're like a YIMBY, you're like, yes, in my backyard. Right. No, see, I'm a, I'm a YIMBY, but I'm like a left YIMBY, <laughs> which means that I'm actually a NIMBY. <laughs> I don't want anything in my backyard. Yeah, I follow you. Um, what else is going on, man? Uh, well, see, speaking of um, Comet Ping Pong. <laughs> and World-class segue. Ped- pedophilia. Uh, child sex trafficking. <laughs> someone who is a potential this hasn't been proven as a fact but i think my in my gut i i believe it to be the case uh i haven't seen anything disproving it and we're in america not the uk so we can say this stuff new jersey senator bob menendez (laughs) is a uh Someone who, according to the San Diego Union Tribune, um, federal prosecutors say this is a few years ago, but they say that he cavorted with underage sex workers. Um, the media kind of just like glossed over the, or the, I mean, it was a big deal. I remember it broke like 10 years ago and everyone didn't know what to do for a while. And then in like when he was running for reelection, they trotted out all the fact checks on this and uh, decided, decided that it's disinformation. But I think that was a little too hasty for me. I, I really am very suspicious. There's also like some corruption charges um, involved with this guy. But anyway, the point of bringing this up is he is currently um seems to be responsible for the Biden administration's policy or non-policy on Cuba right now. Because, of course, um, one of the best things Obama did as president, maybe arguably the best thing. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's that and the Iran deal. There's like two unilateral almost. Well, that was ratified, but two uh close to being unilateral foreign policy moves that were then quickly reversed by Donald Trump. Uh, But these were at the time, you know, pitched by him as sweeping uh, changes to, to American hegemony. And, you know, we're, we're becoming a more cooperative state and all of that was true. It was, it was good, right? It did not change uh, the, the fact that U.S. is an empire, but it was like at least a good thing that he was opening up things with Cuba, allowing them to have a tourism industry and promoting that. Actually, I happen to think there was some deal behind the scenes with you remember when Jay Z and Beyonce went to Cuba. Yeah, I think that like they talked about that beforehand with Obama and he was like, we're going to announce this policy uh, and you might help uh, get the ball moving in the right direction if you go on a trip there with your gal yeah that seems like like a pr type thing right i think that's maybe what happened but anyway this was all done in a taken away in a in a heartbeat 
when Trump became president and just, you know, all these sanctions put on it became like domestic or a uh, terrorist uh, state or something like that it became listed as a terrorist state, I think, something like that. And Biden hasn't done anything on Cuba. He, he, he agreed to when he was running for president. Um, but so far, there's been very little movement there. And, he, you know, politicians always do this thing where they're like, well, not now, you know, yeah, bad politically now. Um, and you want to believe them sometimes. But in this case, it's it's hard to because it's Biden. Uh, but they have said on May 16th, the State Department said it would it would rescind some of the Trump sanctions and sort of start to, you know, actually develop a policy on on Cuba, because it's kind of like, which one are you going to choose? The one that was in place when Biden was vice president, which is like the opposite of what we have now, or the one with the where the last guy had it, um, who might be coming in again and putting it right back there. Um, so why not? Why not keep it warm for him? Right. If we know Trump is coming back, I guess we don't want to shock the system too much. It's maybe what they're thinking. Interesting. But, but two of the people who are really holding this up, uh, and this is suspected that some of it is happening behind the scenes, but we know that publicly these two freaks are uh, deadingly opposed. Deadingly, I don't know if that's a word, but they're they're steadfastly opposed. Dead ass to, opposed. They are dead ass opposed to everything about Cuba cooperating with the Cuban government. And one of them is Cuban Bob Menendez, yeah. who probably had sex with children in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, I don't have evidence of that, <laughs> but again, okay. you is, can't prove that it's not true. This is America. We can we're we can we're allowed to say things. This right. is not a British podcast where you can get in <laughs> trouble for that sort of thing. Yeah, freedom of speech. They don't have that in Cuba. They can't. Uh, that's what he would say. Is like, I'm glad you have the freedom in this wonderful country of ours to accuse me of being a pederast. Yeah. But then we as commies know that in Cuba, you actually have the most freedom of all to accuse people of being a pedophile because you have material resources with which to do so. Right. Yes. That's, you need that pedophile. Uh, that's, that's what healthcare gives you. It gives you the <laughs> mental, the state of mind to see all the pedophiles around you. It's actually like a paradise down there. They're all accusing each other of being pedophiles all the time. <laughs> it's, there's so much freedom of speech. It's great. Right. Um, but so basically Menendez is, you know, Senate's evenly split. So everybody in the Democratic caucus is kind of like their own little king or queen. And uh, it's, it's rumored that he's like threatening to just not support him on other stuff if they reverse this Cuba policy. Um, so this whole thing is being held hostage by one likely pederast who it's amazing that they did not that the DCCC or the DSCC, Democratic Senate Campaign Committee or whatever, did not push this guy out of the running in uh, 2018 when his um, his last reelection was because he's like corrupt is terrible politics and it's in a freaking blue state where i don't know i don't think people in new jersey care about cuba that much like punishing the cuban people as much as this guy i mean yeah for 
Uh, I get it. And that's another thing uh, is Val Demings is a congresswoman who is running for Senate against Marco Rubio. So she's really hitting the uh, the blame Cuba anti Castro um, drum pretty loudly. So, yeah, um, the, the Florida is always like races where they just compete over who can be angrier at Cuba. It's mm-hmm. never like I actually think it's good or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but so in all cases, we have like a very small number of reactionary people who are just dictating America's foreign policy and uh, thereby punishing people in Cuba who are just trying to get syringes. They have vaccines. This has been a little bit since I checked in on this particular thing, but for a while they had a bunch of vaccines because they their government invested in, you know, creating their own vaccine. Yeah, they made like five Um, of them, right? Yeah, they had a bunch and they went over, went to other countries and helped in other places, but they don't have enough syringes to administer the vaccines because of sanctions imposed by the United States. Yeah, it's fucked up. They can't make them out of coconuts or whatever down there. <laughs> right. Not not yet. Although it is what I one thing I'm really interested to see. What if it was a what if they rolled it, you know, in like a cigar paper and that's how they administered Ooh. the vaccine. That'd be cool. Do you <laughs> smoke it? <laughs> <clears throat> Apparently you can smoke Kratom now. So you can do that with the vaccine. I went to a tobacco shop today to get some and the guy was like, well, what you want? Vape cartridge? It's like for Kratom. And he showed me they there. You can vape it. Insane. That's bananas. I'm sorry to hear that because it sounds like you're going to overdose on it. Uh, But apparently so AMLO is saying that he's going to boycott and maybe get some other countries to boycott this um, conference, the summit. Uh, Where's the summit? The the summit of the Americas, which is going to happen in L.A. next month. So they could get Nicaragua, Venezuela, some other countries to not go, which I don't know. Maybe that would exert some pressure. But interesting. Wow, I'm in LA right now. If I stay for a month, I can go to the summit of the Americas. Maybe That's I can fuck fun. some shit up there. You should see if you can open for it. <laughs> yeah. I'll do a bunch of jokes about cum and shit, and then be like, and "Now the summit of the Americas." That's what you should have gotten good with Charlotte Climber. She could probably set that up. <laughs> probably, yeah. Ah, oh, too bad. She's didn't reblock me. She just didn't follow me. So, okay. Potentially, I could tweet at her and go, Can you get me opening for the Summit of the Americas? Because I have a gambit, which I think might be more powerful than AMLO's move. (laughs) If I bring everyone together with the power of laughter and uh, X rated blue comedy, then then we'll (laughs) reopen Cuba or whatever. Um, Yes. Weirder things have happened. Trump is president, you know? Yeah, that was funny. Um, in other news, we got the domestic uh, political thing over here in the city where I have returned. Did I ever announce that I'm back in New York City? I'm back in the New York groove. I don't know. I think you have, but I like when you say it. I every time I like hearing it. It just says huh. back in New York. What a classic fucking thing to be, you know? Right. New York City's back, be back. And Andrews is back in New York. Right. Mayor Adams needed the swagometer to go up by oh my. just a little notch. Sorry. Uh, 
sidebar yeah. did you see the thing he said at that fucking like commencement speech or whatever what's it called when you speak at a college commencement yeah what he said um <laughs> he said turn your haters into waiters at the sit at the table left you could tell that he had like he wrote that and he thought it was really clever and he wanted to end on it because it was a special artistic flourish for him and he's like you can see him smiling as he gets to it and he's like I'm going to slip it in. It's going to be the last thing I say. And then I drop the mic and run away. And no one can stop me from having said it. It's an insane thing to say. He said, he's like giving a normal speech and going, believe in yourself and work hard, et cetera, and so on. And then he gets to it. Final line. Ah, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Let your haters become your waiters when you sit down at the table of success. (laughs) Oh, at the table of success. That's right. I call it the table of life. The table of success, Anders, and you know, if you maybe worked a little bit harder at bussing the table of success, <coughs> you'd know a thing or two about what it looks like. I don't know, I'm just trying to continue on his metaphor here, but it's very confusing because so, yeah. he's, he's like a customer at a restaurant. Yeah, I'd actually uh, like to speak to the manager of the restaurant of success. Yeah, could you put some uh, sugar packets under the table of success because it's wobbly? I, I I've mentioned this on the show before, but I literally think I waited on him once. So like, yeah. this totally tracks because I am his hater and his waiter. <laughs> Did he do that thing where he's like, I need you to fix the wobbliness by putting sugar packets? Man, it's, if this, I can, it's a blurry memory, but I distinctly remember this fucking person. He was really mean. And he was like, yeah. hey, does he drink? Do you know? Does he, is he like sober? Uh, that's a good question. Because this guy was drinking whiskey and he was like mad about the poor, I remember. And he like he's mad about the poor, like he wasn't enough or whatever. He oh, I, oh, I thought you meant like the poor people. No, 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 <laughs> the, the poor people, which is how I refer to bartenders. Poor people get it because they pour drinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't, uh, oh, wait, yeah, it says he is sober. Okay, what's the same but, when he got sober? I mean, I doubt it was his whole life. Um, but and it could also be like a thing he says. So uh, technically, he's like he eats fish, right? He lies about being vegan and shit. Yeah, and he, he lies about uh, being <laughs> not being single. He lies to his. He gave a, This is actually another commencement speech, and I think we almost definitely read this on the podcast. But he gave a commencement speech in 2015, where he was like. Um, when he's like addressing the ladies in the crowd and like <laughs> thinking about thinking about like your appearance and uh how how the world sees you and he's like as a state senator and borough president i have the opportunity of dating some of the most beautiful women in the city which right. is a no like that's not <laughs> the top of the sex food chain is a, a senator a state senator yeah, i'm sorry uh, but then he's like, if I'm taking you out to a Michelin star restaurant, I don't want to see a two word tattoo on your neck that says lick me. <laughs> that was his example. What that a loser. Into his head. I think that but, rules. I would love to go on a date with somebody with a lick me tattoo. Yeah, that'd be hot. But so his uh, publicist or one of his campaign directors or something quickly contacted whoever was reporting on that speech and said uh, he misspoke because yes, at the time he was in a relationship, but 
<laughs> when he was giving the speech, he was referring to an older version of himself who was single. He was not single during that. Dude, he's so, an artist, you know? I mean, he's yeah. just like freestyling up there like Robin Williams or something. And so you can't yeah. you can't hold everything he says to that level of accountability because if you do that, you lose the art, you know? Right. If you want to hear the song, Don't Dissect the Bird, and like he he's up there doing comedy, you know? And like you, you got to... You know, yeah, Robin Williams stole some jokes, but he made new shit out of them, you know? And like sometimes... Some of the things you say in your act, you know, you say, oh, this happened recently. It didn't happen recently. It happened four years ago when you wrote the joke. Yeah. Or you do a joke about being single, and then you do a joke about being in a relationship because you wrote both of them over the course of your life, and at one point you were single, and at one point you were in a relationship. So, right. you know, give my man artistic license. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's mayoral, mayoral license. Mm-hmm. Because mayor's got to have swagger. Uh, that's right. Is it, do you say swag or swagger? Uh, I think he says both, but I've heard him say swag. Okay. He's got to have swag. Swagger. <laughs> the way he walks is... <laughs> I did... I watched the 60 Minutes interview with him, and it is impressive the way he carries himself when he walks. It's like... I could never walk that way. I, I mean, I could if I wanted to, but I, I could not uh, be comfortable with that sort of stance you know, yeah, it's he walks just like so much. He walks like he's Steve Harvey doing stand up, you know? Yeah. Striding across the stage in that huge suit. Right. Yeah. I was just talking about this today. Like every a year ago now, everybody was worried about, oh, Mayor Andrew Yang. No, it's going to turn New York into fucking Bitcoin heaven or whatever. Yeah. And replace like, the Statue of Liberty with a bored ape. <laughs> Like Planet of the Apes, yeah. But I was always way more worried about the current fucking guy we got because he was a cop, number one, and also, like, he has the connections. Yang had no connections to, like, organized labor or the NYPD. Yeah. You know, they could have got weaseled their way in there and and uh, told him what to do, and I'm sure he would have abided by a lot of it, but... But Adams, because he knows the institution in and out, he knows exactly how to avoid like accountability for cops and all that shit, which is, yeah. But the good news is I do think there is at least a 30% chance that he will get indicted for something as mayor. 30%. And like, yeah, I would say 30%. Cool. I like which it. Is, yeah. And plus, like, I don't, I think, I don't know if the left could get it together to beat him. I mean, it depends how you define the left, but I think he could be taken out potentially because last year he electorally, won, you mean just, ele- to be, yeah. just to be clear. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Good caveat. Dad, uh, legally or electorally. Well, both, I guess are legal. Sure. In a sense, but, but he, um, won with a plurality of the vote in the first instant runoff election in New York City history in the primary. So he does not have like this command of the the, you know, people of New York that the media loves to to say, like, the, you know, he's this this political genius or whatever. He you know, obviously was ran a shrewd campaign, but like it, it's a it was like, you know, what, 20 percent or something like that. It was there's like a million candidates in 2021. 
And there it was a fucking confusing ballot. Like I voted IRV my first time I ever voted, actually, in Minneapolis. I still don't understand it. It's it's a very confusing system and honestly pretty fucked up that they only do it for the primary. That's the insane thing to me. Yeah. Um, until you consider why it's that way. And it's basically my theory is that it, this is a way to stifle like progressives in DSA. Yeah. Basically, because and I remember this was a live debate a couple of years ago um, because you know, traditionally IRV instant runoff voting. That's a good thing for the left. Right. It's you know, it mitigates the spoiler issue. Um, yada yada but in primaries it's a way to like just create a shit show and allow someone like Eric Adams to squeak through yeah right because they don't even that's the the most transparently cynical bullshit thing about it to me is they we don't have in New York City a an instant runoff general election it's only for primaries that's so suspect um, that is a really good point. I remember when it was happening, I was like, why? This can't be good. It's not like they yeah. listened to the DSA people going, we need ranked choice voting and stuff. Um, I think you're right. Right. And it's, uh, and uh, yeah, if if it were not for that, then I don't think Eric Adams would be mayor right now. Um, yeah. I think he wrote in on the table of um, luck, personally. <laughs> He yeah. was on the bar stool of luck, and it landed him at the table of success, <laughs> and he attributed it to the table. Right. Yeah. Well, we got to throw the table on over on Adams. Actually, tables in New York politics have been – this is a great segue coming up. <laughs> New York political tables lately have been filled with maps <laughs> that they are dicing up. They're cutting them up. Uh, Eric Adams cronies probably are involved in drawing little districts on the maps and then people will come in and throw them out. So basically the census happens every 10 years, right? Okay. It is 2022. It's been two years since the 2020 census and New York state is finally getting around to setting the new districts in place. They're supposed to, they should have done this two years ago. But they drew all these districts and uh, they were drawn to protect incumbency in Albany. And the Republicans, of which there we forget there is a Republican Party in New York, they were challenging it. They, they've been challenging them. They've been uh, suing about the unfairness of the maps. And so a judge has ruled that uh all of the state senate maps the u.s house maps had to get thrown out and they got redrawn and the primary got pushed back to august so you got uh an assembly primary on the same day as gubernatorial and lieutenant gubernatorial and then you have the state senate and congress it's like a fucking huge shit show um but in, in speaking of sus stuff too because there is a lot of sus stuff in this state's political situation but there's this guy, Sean Patrick Maloney, Sean Patrick Baloney, as I like to call him, who's a <laughs> uh, Irish lawyer, um, happens to be gay, uh, and is head of the DCCC, actually, and has decided to run for someone else's district. So basically, it, it, he got redistricted, 
on all this stuff. And he's in district 17 represents uh, part of parts of Hudson Valley. And then there's this other guy, Mondaire Jones. It's actually pretty good. He's a progressive uh, groundbreaking candidate, gay black guy from the Hudson Valley who was able to get elected uh, in 2020. And uh, most of his district, Mondaire Jones district has become the 17th. And Sean Patrick Maloney was just like, yeah, I'm going to run for that. And without telling Mondaire Jones, he just said, I'm going to do it. Um, And so now, instead of challenging him, which people expected Mondaire Jones to do, he has decided to come to a completely new district called the New York 10th, which is part of Brooklyn and then lower Manhattan and run for that instead, where he's never lived. And he says, uh, this is where Stonewall happened, and this is where queer people have sought refuge in these borders of this lovely 10th congressional district, which was literally, you know, drawn up yesterday. And he's talking about it like it's this historical fucking, yeah. uh, mon- you know, monument to to uh, progressive America or whatever. But also running against him in the 10th, the fight in 10th, is Bill de Blasio. So... Did you see the guy who's running against him? Bill de Blasio? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be running against Mondaire Jones. It looks like uh, oh. de Blasio may not do it, but he has. It's, so there's some strong indications that de Blasio is running for Congress. I just vaguely saw a story earlier. I think I might have been getting it wrong. Something is going on with de Blasio being challenged in some way by this um, quote-unquote anti-communist who's like a... Uh, he... <laughs> It looks Asian that something is going on where he's like a, I don't know, I can't, I can't find the picture. He was wearing a crazy M. Bison hat in his picture, and I was like, what the fuck? But I have not done enough research to properly explain this, so the homework for our podcast <laughs> listeners is to look that up and learn about it yourself. Right. <laughs> uh, Isn't that fun when you can, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> um, listen, my brain is melted. I did. Uh, I opened for an alternative yeah, maybe rock you, band, and maybe I, maybe you hallucinated that. Maybe I did. Maybe this is a thing I saw in a dream. I'm describing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, hey man, I think we just did a podcast. Is there anything else you want to get to before we wrap up? I mean, that was basically it. Uh, moral of the story is Sean Patrick. Oh, the other, yeah. The other thing about Maloney is this is why he's so sus to me is because he's doing this. And also in 2018, uh, he ran for attorney general. Zephyr Teachout was the front runner. She's like an anti-corporate lawyer. Clearly the progressive choice. She oh, yeah. Win. He decides to step in. And to this day, no one understands why he did it other than to just sink her campaign. Yeah. So he's clearly doing some behind the scenes bullshit. Um, Maybe some under the table of success deals have been. That's right. Yes. Sean Patrick Maloney is a uh, success table flipper. He's a bad guy. And he um, also like said that Mondaire Jones was not ideologically aligned with this district that he just basically took from him, which is code for like he's black. Uh, yeah. Because he he did better than Biden did, I believe, in uh, 2020, Mondaire Jones, and yeah, it's it's kind of hilarious. They're both uh, they both have um, crap on their hands, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, just one little 
sneak peek into the shit show that will be uh, this year's New York state and federal elections. Well, I look forward to hearing, seeing how it plays out as I slowly reintegrate myself into society like someone who has been in prison or in the circus. That's what it feels like right now. No. I do not remember how to normally interact with people and how to not live on a bus and stuff. But I'm getting back. I'll be back soon. All right. As I always say, uh, turn your haters into <laughs> openers for you on your alternative rock uh, tour across the country. That's true. Turn your haters into stand-up comedians who uh, open for you on your old rock tour. T- turn your detractors into your benefactors when you sit down Whoa. in the booth of loneliness uh, or something. I did a few of these the other day. I was like doing this as a bit. It's real fun to Were do. Were you on shrooms? No, this is just regular old road madness. Just going crazy in the bus, and we were laughing about this fucking <laughs> Adams thing. And then, you know, coming up with uh, to turn your... Uh, turn your bandmates into handmaids. <laughs> when you sit down at the handmaid's table. I don't know. Uh, turn your turn- bartenders into... Hearts in blenders. In blenders. <laughs> Turn your co-hosts into provosts there at you. the institution of comedy. Turn your podcasters into pod racers when you sit down in Sebulba's car. I don't know. I think. Uh, <laughs> turn your mares into pears. When you squeeze the juice <laughs> out of this uh, this guy's career, look, man, we all make fun of Eric Adams. You know, we all hate him and stuff. But like, yeah, I don't know how to do what he does. Sometimes right. you got to respect another artist. You know, I turn your senators into predators <laughs> when you sit down at the Bob Menendez backroom table at uh, a slimy little bar in the Dominican Republic. That was. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know if you have to turn them into predators, though. It kind of sounds like right. Turn your predators into senators. There you go. <laughs> see them at the table with success. That's how they do it. Yeah, in America. Yeah, hell yeah. American politics. Okay. Um, do we have anything to plug this week? Uh, good question. Uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter. Dursley one on Instagram. You can message me on either of those apps if you would like assistance. With naming your band, uh, I'm, I'm still doing these. Uh, you can Venmo me. What is my deal again? Um, Five dollars if you just want a one one little name, and then for ten dollars, I'll go more in depth. I'll give you like up to five okay. uh, names, and I'll work with you on the name. I'll get it nice and good. Uh, feel free to pay me more than that too. Um, but yeah, just send me some of your music, and we will. I will find you a name. Okay. So, Anders, I've got this band. Okay. There's five of us. What should I call it? Um, Eve Five. Eve Five. Absolutely excellent. I should, and I'll open for them. I'll open for yeah. Eve Six as Eve Five. You'll be well. No, you'll, you'll open for Eve Five, and then you'll be the six. Ah. Okay. Cool. Um, my handle on everything is feral jokes. I never plug my handle. I wonder if I would get more followers if I did that every t- every week like y'all. Um, f- 
Farrell like an animal jokes like jokes um i don't really have anything coming up except for when i'm back in new york i'm gonna be in this thing called digital void fest that's uh in the next week or so i'll post about it and stuff and uh, other than that, my plugs are leave me alone. I am very tired <laughs> and have been around a lot of people, and I want to go home and lay down and pet my cat. So just take it easy on me, guys, for a little bit. I just want to play Elden Ring and eat ice cream and chill. So fucking relax, all right? I'll be back soon. I'm sorry I didn't <laughs> snap at you, but I'm just I'm stretched pretty thin here. Uh, and take mushrooms. Also, my other plug is mushrooms are good for you. Okay. Turn your listeners into glisteners <laughs> and take mushrooms at the podcast of, lo- of love. Turn your spinach into it's finished at the <laughs> end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's finished.